With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach talking Atlanta Braves with MLB.com's Braves beat reporter, Mark Bowman. Mark, last time we talked, and I think maybe even once or twice before that, we were uh, talking about concerns about Julio Tehran. Uh, last time out, uh, he looked like the guy that the Braves are used to seeing and expect to see. Uh, what was different about him last time out as opposed to his previous outings this year? I, I think what we saw yesterday was the more aggressive Julio Tehran. And in, in the process of being more aggressive, we did see him go back to, to relying on the fastball. Uh, as frequently as he did in the past when he had been successful. Uh, but at the same time, what we saw were some swings and misses from that fastball that we had seen in the past week. He went through a uh, a string yesterday where he struck out five consecutive batters, and within that span, he got uh, uh, he threw a couple 94-mile-per-hour fastballs that we hadn't seen uh, at least the last few weeks from him. So the heater, the velocity was back. Uh, a little bit more movement with his two-seamer, and uh, he just saw a little bit more edge to him. Uh, the previous three starts, you know, he, he stepped back yesterday and said, look, maybe I wasn't as aggressive as I needed to be in those outings. And uh, but, but I think, you know, not only just getting back to throwing that, that fastball four strikes, uh, throwing it, adding a little bit of velocity, made his slider uh, and other secondary stuff a little bit more effective as well yesterday. So it's kind of a... a- chicken egg thing was he not throwing the fastball because he didn't have faith in it or was the fastball less effective because he was throwing it with less conviction and less often i mean if if the life when it comes back and he starts throwing it more in the same start how do you kind of parse that what led to what and what kind of changed in in both ways well you know i, th- I think when we talked last time we you know freddie gonzalez had had reviewed the and roger mcdowell more uh, had reviewed those uh, films of the, the uh, his previous three starts and said he hadn't been throwing the fastball. Now, if you go back and look at the numbers, he did throw the fastball just as frequently as he had uh, in the past during the one start against the Mets. Now, he didn't have a secondary stuff that day uh, because he couldn't get a feel in the windy weather, which we, we've seen that that be a problem with him in the past. The other two starts, I think it was more of a uh, shying away from the fastball, like the one in Toronto when he gave up four home runs. Uh, the one here against the Nationals, uh, where, where he he gave up seven runs, only three of them were earned. But if you watched the game and saw that he gave up ten hits, it was it was constant trouble. Um, you know, had he had he even gotten out of that uh, with, with five innings and, and three earned runs, you know, I, I, there were still going to be concerns because the velo just wasn't there, and and the contact rate uh, was was consistent there with, or, you know, the, the Nationals were consistently making contact with that fastball and more importantly, putting it in play with regularity. And, and I think that's what we saw. We just saw a few more swings and misses yesterday. Still not to the point to where you'd say, hey, look, this is a Julio Tehran of old. Uh, you know, hey, look, his swing and miss pitch is the slider. I'm not going to say he's going to use that fastball and going to blow guys away 
with regularity. But I, I think what what we saw yesterday what was more indicative of what where he wants to get to as he's moving forward. A guy who you know tries to get ahead with first pitch strike and, make, and hope that makes his slider that much more effective later in the count. To uh, go elsewhere in that rotation, uh, Mike Fultonevich pitched on Friday night, and it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, but if you're going to grade on a curve for a guy who's making his debut with a club as a prospect, probably some things to like. What did they like? What did they not like about what they saw from him in his first start? I think if you take a step back, what you have to like most about his outing is that he was able to, to bounce back from a rough first inning. Um and, and pitched quite effectively. Or well, let, let's say this: he was able to pitch uh, and escape some the threats of the encounter through uh, over the remainder of his five inning stint. I think he only had one, he was only perfect in one of those five innings. So he he was he was encountering trouble the whole time. You saw some life on the fastball. You saw the breaking ball was was you, you saw the potential with it. You, you saw why you know that this guy's stuff is going to catch eyes. But at the same time. You know that the Reds sold five bases against him. He has altered his delivery to where he has a little bit of a hip turn. Um, he has done this hip turn to to slow himself down, his delivery down, with the hope of uh, gaining more consistent command, throwing more strikes. Uh, at the same time, what it has done, it has given opposing base runners, uh, you know, the invitation to, to steal at will. It seems like within that start, there were two different. Once, once they stole the three bases in the first inning, he went from a 1.8 with his delivery to a 1.1. Somewhere in between, Freddie Gonzalez said after the game, look, we need him to be somewhere in between. At 1.8, he's too, point, too slow. Guys are going to run on him at 1.1. He's rushing himself to the mound. So this guy, he is a work in progress. Um, the stuff is there. Uh, I think the one thing, most encouraging thing I think the Braves see out of this was the makeup. A guy who, you know, it was a rough first inning, came back and, and held strong the rest of the way. You know, I don't think I saw that guy in spring training. I saw a guy who, when he got in trouble, uh, he he's you know went ahead and tried to overpower somebody. The other night he pitched more frequently. Uh, spring training, we saw him give up back-to-back home runs uh, because he was frustrated one day. I saw him react to uh, a two-out walk to uh, at the bottom of the order, and then he walked the next two guys. Uh, during one of those outings down there in Florida. I didn't see that guy the other night. I saw a more mature guy, a little more relaxed guy. And, and I think, you know, now he's got the first one under his belt. Uh, we'll, we'll see where he goes. Hey, look, he, he's not going to – he's far from a finished product. But at the same time, uh, look, this, this goes without saying, but it's a lot better seeing him out there than Trevor Cahill. So what, what's where, – where does he stand going forward? Is he in the rotation? Is it still start to start? What's the, what's the status for him in the rotation? No, I, I the plan is for Fulton Evans to be in the rotation uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, you know, if a guy if he struggles here over uh, a few starts, you know, they may have to take a step back and say, look, are we doing him more harm than good? Keep him in the rotation. But yeah, I think their hope is that he remains in the rotation for uh, the rest of the season. Um, and I, what does that do for Trevor Cahill? For right now, I don't think they're worrying about that. Yes, they've spent the five point five million dollars on him. That's a, we talked about that last week. That's pretty expensive for, you know, a long reliever. Or, you know, if you want to take that back and, and just say, hey, look, it's a pretty expensive draft pick there but with the 75th overall selection coming in the same deal as, as Cahill from the Diamondbacks. Uh, but at the same time, I think they're looking at this. Maybe it's a sunk cost. They, they'd rather – they're looking to do whatever they can to stay competitive. And uh, 
if it, Fulton Nevich continues to you know, make progress, he's going to take his lumps. Um, but if, as long as he uh, is moving in the right direction, I do expect him to be in the rotation the rest of the year. Bounce around a little. What got into Kelly Johnson? <laughs> this is now what, what I will say about Kelly Johnson is this: we have seen Kelly streaky in the past, you know. So let, let's see what the next month or a uh, few weeks bring. You know, when he gets hot, it, it's hard to sneak anything past him. But this has been fun. You know, it's it's great to see uh, you know somebody that you, you saw or covered as a kid. Um, you know, come come back home and have this kind of success, and, and really, it was cool to see the smile on his face after getting to run out to third base before yesterday's game, and his son's little league team was there. Of course, his son was standing there at third base, and then you've got I, you know, who knows what the exact time span was, but ten to fifteen minutes later, Kelly's rounding the bases with his fifth homer of the year, and, and look, he he hit five home runs already uh, here through the first season's first month. He hit seven home runs last year, playing for three different. You know, AL East teams. It was a frustrating season. He could not, you know, stick with a team. He, it was, I, I really thought. I, I think it in the back of his head, he was contemplating retirement. You know, maybe this is it. And uh, Freddie Gonzalez called in January and said, "Look, come to camp. We'll find you a spot." Uh, and I remember being in Kissimmee on probably. Let's see. The, the Grapefruit League season started, I believe, on March fourth. Probably March 11th, I'm sitting there talking to a scout, and he said, boy, his bat is so slow, he's done. And it was like three or four days later, he got going. and finished that Grapefruit League season strong, and really, he has been a great asset here for the Braves. You know, look, I don't expect him to continue hitting for this kind of power, but if he can continue to be a solid utility guy, a guy that can fill in here and there out there in left field, if he gets a majority of the starts out there in left field, um then I don't think that it's a completely uh, lost season. I think they will make some adjustments here. Uh, they, maybe even when they bring up some of the other kids, and I'm sure we'll get into that maybe. if. Um, but, but it's nice to have a guy like Kelly, a veteran who can play left field, can play third base, put him at second base. Uh, his best role is as a utility player, but for now he's going to enjoy this run that he's on. Is he going to be part of that third base mix while Chris Johnson's out? Yeah, I think so. You know, he was he was there yesterday. Uh, he's, he's not there today. They've got uh, um, he's actually at a lineup today. Reagan's always thought, thought about giving him a day off yesterday. He played. So I think that was his seventh straight start yesterday. So he's just getting a day off today. But I do think that he will will see uh, some time there. They're just as comfortable with him there as they are with uh, Alberto Cayasso, and probably better. You know, Kelly's probably a better defender there. Um, so you'll see him. Maybe get a majority of the starts there against right-handers. Now the question is, what do you do out there in left field? Um, so he, he's just with, with Johnny Gomes the days that you don't want him facing a certain right-hander. You know, Kelly may be out there in Kiaspo at third. And one last thing, because I get to be the one who asked the questions. Uh, Cameron Maben hitting 220 still really effective uh, because he's drawing walks, because he's hitting for power. Um, we've talked about center field options. Eric Young is not hitting a thing. Is Maben despite uh, the batting average um, starting to claim uh, that center field role a little more from Eric Young? Yes, I, I do think so. I think I let, let's, go, let's go back a month, and I'm going to say this, Matthew. You win on that, that argument. I would have said that Eric Young Jr. would have been the one that they kept producing 
you went on the Cameron Maven argument because, yes, there's there's no reason to continue to run Eric Young Jr. out there. Why don't you just give Cameron Maven, uh, you know, a majority of the starts if you want to give him a day off occasionally, then then throw EY out there. That's fine. Let's let's take that a step further. Last week when they made their, their roster move, when they needed to create a uh, roster spot uh, on Saturday, they, they ended up bringing up Pedro Siriaco, uh from Gwinnett. I thought they should have gone with Todd Cunningham and, and gone ahead and released Eric Young Jr. Uh, at that point in time. I've seen enough on, from EY to, to say, look, it's it's not going to work. Go ahead and at least give a kid in your system a chance to, to share or serve as, a, as Cameron Maiden's backup. I do not know exactly when Eric Young will, uh, you know, maybe get back in the lineup. It, it, you know, from all indications, he's healthy. But but this guy needs to uh, figure something out. And unfortunately, you can't send him to the minors right now. Uh, at this stage of his career, um, he, he he doesn't seem willing to do that. So um, I, I think what we're, what we're seeing it uh, is that you're going to see Cameron Maven out there. Uh, I don't think Eric Young Jr. will be here all season. And But the one thing, the one element that I am a little bit surprised about is that Jose Ross has not played any center field down there at Gwinnett yet. Uh, so, if you know, if anyone was thinking, hey, look, Peraza will be in center field at some point, I, you know, look, I'd still expect him to be in Atlanta maybe some point in June. But uh, their initial plan is to have him play some center field and possibly come here to Atlanta. Uh, and, and help out at that position, it doesn't seem like they're leaning that way right now. Gotcha. All right. Well, Mark Bowman, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.